Welcome back to the big program. Just after 8 o'clock in Edmonton, looking at a high of plus 8 or 9 today. Got to be kidding. Simply outstanding. We were talking to uh, old Mark there yesterday at Terra Pines Golf Course north of the city. Booked solid. But I'm sure you could get squeezed in if you really need to today uh, to get one of the last rounds of the year. And as Mark said yesterday, very impressive early December conditions (laughs) at Terra Pines. Oilers in action tomorrow. Carolina's here. The Canes lost uh, last night in uh, Winnipeg 2-1 despite outshooting the Jets 43-22. Laurent Brassois was rock solid, but man, it's going to be nice to get a game going around here because five days off seems like about uh, five weeks. Uh, Arizona wins last night, so does St. Louis. So that means now the Oilers a little further back in the playoff picture, but games in hand. And we, you know... Again, I, I don't think you can look at that because there's so many there's so many teams that are ahead of the Oilers and just with five days off, you know, Anaheim, Minnesota moves ahead of the Oilers in the standings. So worry about chasing down the team in front of you. So you've got Anaheim in front of you and Minnesota in front of you, both teams with uh, 20 points. Uh, as we just hooked up with Mark Spector, time now for On The Mark, uh, powered by Booster Juice. Download the new Booster Juice Rewards app today to start earning berry points for delicious and nutritious smoothies, drinks, and food that will get you through the day. As we check in with Mark Spector from Roger Sportsnet. Good morning, Spec. How are you? That's going on sorry running a touch late here but uh i found you guys at some point through the wonders of technology Kevin. did you have a diaper to change or something or what no 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 <laughs> i'm still uh, not in diapers yet you're gonna be doing <laughs> <laughs> you're you personally yeah <laughs> but thanks for asking yeah well i was we were talking about your granddaughter not you <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Life's good. Uh, let's go. I, I'll tell you what. I'm like, I, I, I kind of like the days off. But mm-hmm. uh, let's get a hockey game here. Holy cow! It's like a, it's like an all star break or something like that. Yeah, we were just talking about that off the top of the show. It feels a lot more than five days. I don't know why, but it does. Yeah, I think you know what. It's and and I think for the players they'll take this every day. Like mm-hmm. they love this rest. There's no momentum. You know, it, it is a break and yeah, we can all say, gee, they won four. It'd be nice if they kept playing, but you know what this, they, and, and maybe they will be a little bit rusty early in the game on Wednesday night against Carolina for sure. But this, this heading into a six game homestand, this rest is going to be good. This is, you know, come game two, three, four, when the other guys are coming through, in various stages of their road trips, yeah. the orders are going to be rested. And, and this rest, you know, someone once said, right, rest is a weapon. Uh, I'm not sure it's a weapon, but it certainly is going to help them in this hometown. Mark Spector, Roger Sportsnet with us on Sports 1440 every day at 8 o'clock for Booster Juice. So, um, Spec, I guess in your latest article was yesterday. We were down there. I saw you down yep. at the rink. Uh, we'll touch on a little kind of in get together with head coach uh, Chris Knobloch in a second. But uh, Stuart, yeah, it's nice. Yeah, well, well let's talk, touch on that. I mean, basically, and it, you know, it's tape recorders, cameras off, notepads away, and it's just you know the Oilers brought out head coach Chris Knobloch just for a quick little you know twenty twenty five minute visit with the media because it's been you know it's been tough, it's been hard, it's been time consuming for him to start yep. things off. But it was good to kind of. I think to get to know him and he wants to get to know the media a little bit and it's it was a good experience. Yeah, and this is something that that 
you know, the, uh, give uh, Jamie Cartmel and Sean May, uh, the media relations folks down at the orders, some credit here. It's a, you know, when a coach starts in in the middle of a season, you don't get a chance to. Most people don't get a chance to get to know him. I got a. Ch- I was the guy on the road when they made the change. I sat down, and did a long Q and A with them, and we had a nice chat. But I'm only one guy. There's mm-hmm. another. 20 people at home that want to get to know this coach and it's it's good for everyone's relationship you know let's talk about what's going on with his family and how's he doing and and where'd you come from and who are you you know let's let's all get to know each other we understand each other better uh it was a nice availability yesterday and you know what all you do is you really find out that sure he's a head coach of the Evans orders but he's also a real person Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, he told a funny story about having spent a bunch of hours on one of the days <laughs> off just trying to get a Canadian credit card because he's been in the States so long. And it kind of tells you that's the kind of stuff us normal people do. <laughs> he has to do it too. Right? Yes. You know, and again, he, and he was going down to kind of rectify things yesterday afternoon. But again, you think out of all the things that he's got to worry about, you know, but right, that's the one right. that's top of mind. It's the way it is. Well, you kind of got to walk around with, you got to have a credit card in your pocket just in case, right? <laughs> yeah. Whether you use it a lot or not. So anyway, you know what? And he's a pretty soft-spoken guy. He's a regular, mm-hmm. he's an old U of A Golden Bear. You know, he's he went down to a Golden Bears game the other day yeah. and ran into a bunch of alumni just the way any Jeff Helland or Perry Zapernick would do. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> and uh, anyway, he seems like a good guy. And so far he's... You know what? He's doing a pretty good job coaching this team. I saw I saw a uh, uh, list put out today of uh, teams uh, ranking against odd man rushes so far this season, and I noticed the Oilers, who at one point were dead last, are up to 18th in the league. So that was one of their biggest issues defensively, and you can see him climbing up the ranks. Uh, that tells me that this coach has figured a couple things out. And the players too, because, you know, despite the message where whoever it comes from, you still have to take that message and do something with it. I think we've seen that with a lot of uh, ill-advised pinches, ill-advised pressures and things like that. So that's negated a lot of that. And not only if that's happened, the forwards have really come back and supported. They've had better puck support in the last couple of weeks. Well, there's this culture of offense in Edmonton, and it it always gets propagated by, you know, you draft first overall, so you get offensive guys, the Taylor Hall defensive guy first mm-hmm. overall, you draft the best offensive guy. That's just how it works. And there's this culture of, you know, when there's a it, – it, it, boils down to when there's a 50-50 puck, you're going after that puck to do something offensively with it and maybe not thinking enough about how, gee, if I'd lose this battle, what's going to happen defensively? And yeah. and it, it really permeates, the it has permeated the entire culture of this orders organization for many, many years. Back to the 80s when they scored so much and defense wasn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny how this organization has always fought on the defensive side of the puck to be responsible, to to play the right way, to win the 3-2 game. It's been 50 years of 40-some years of it here. And in the 80s, when they scored seven a night, it wasn't such a big deal. Today, it is a big deal, and they're still fighting the same fight here, Kev. You know, Speck, the one thing that, you know, and we're not giving away the Cadbury secret here from yesterday's conversation with the with Coach Knobloch, but the one thing that I really uh, thought about when he after he was done talking about this one instance was – 
when players, and this is at any level, when you are visualizing what's going to be happening in the game tonight or you're driving to the rink, and we're just talking about forwards here, and maybe yep. defense to, to an extent, you don't think about blocking a shot. You don't think about having a stick in the lane. You think about putting the puck on net, maybe getting a tip, maybe you know having a good shot on net and creating something offensively. That's just the way it is. But he says you have to kind of reverse that and you have to kind of think about those things as well. So I really took that to heart when he, he mentioned that last night. Anything else stick out for you? Well, you know what? Todd McClellan always said that too. Uh, he's the first guy I heard yeah. tell that story. And this is however many years ago it was Todd was here, six or seven yeah. at least. Um, he said even even the fighter back then, even the tough guy, even the sixth defenseman, yeah. he drives to the rink thinking about, man, it'd be nice to score a goal tonight. No one ever drives to the rink thinking, man, it'd be nice to take a slap shot off the knee tonight yeah. <laughs> to save a goal. So, sure, it's a it's almost a cultural thing. And, and you know, the good news at Edmonton, the top guys get it. Like, you hear Connor yeah. McDavid and, and Leon Dreisaitl talk about winning and they talk about keeping pucks out of their net. You know, do they always play that way? Well, they they try to when it counts for sure. And, uh, hey, we all get it. Yeah. The fans pay money to watch goals go in, and they hand out the cup to the team that that allows the least goals to go in generally. And it's not always the best offensive team that's walking away with Big Stanley. So uh, they've got a mix here. they got to figure out the right mix if they're ever going to do that here at Edmonton. Mark Spector, Rogers Sportsnet on Sports 1440. As you know, Speck, our co-host uh, from 9 to 11 on Tuesdays is Grant Fear, so he'll be coming up in yeah. less than an hour. And as you know, Grant Fear could give a rat's ass about personal stats and <laughs> everything else yeah. as long as he made the important save and got the one uh, stat in the category that he cared about the most, and that was a W. And that was kind of the extent of your conversation with uh, Stu Skinner yesterday. Yeah, we were talking about expected goals and expected saves and all those things. And he said, ah, you know, uh, it's a little different when you're the guy down there doing it, right? Yeah. And I talked to Brett Kulak, and he said, same thing, man. He says, it's such chaos down there sometimes. Pucks go in, and and no one knew how. And then you look at, the, of course, the stats experts, so they know how. They have an answer for all the reasons why every goal was scored. He says, it's not, you know, it's a little different when you're in there and, we laughed about how uh, that's what what Grant did. Grant never, you know, Grant would give you five, but damn it, he wouldn't give you the sixth one. Yeah. <laughs> now, in today's game, I'm not sure the number can be that high, but uh, it is. It's about the timely save. And, you know, it, the other day in Winnipeg, it was about not letting in the second one for Skinner. And there's going to be nights when it's about not letting in the fifth one when your team's winning 5-4. So, uh, it is. It's about timely saves. And, and I'm here to tell you, every Canadian guy out there, you, me, most of our listeners, everyone thinks they know a, a good goal and a bad goal. And, you know, oh, you got to have that save and all those things. And uh, when you're in the war down there, when you're watching that puck flying around at 90 miles an hour, it's probably a little different than we think sometimes, isn't it? Well, again, there's so many things happening, and I think Brett Kulak did a pretty good job in explaining that. <laughs> I mean, it's it's crazy when you think about the amount of legs, amount of sticks, um, amount of traffic, and that's just impairing your vision. Now you're thinking about everything else that's happening, guys moving laterally, guys moving to each side of the net. The, the goalies nowadays uh, have to be so in tune to what's going on, we kind of forget about how tough of a position it is to play. 
Oh, it's it's wicked. You just go, you know, go down to practice and watch the the guy shoot the puck. Oh, yeah. You know the the it's unbelievable. Like all these guys, one of the differences now, of course, is you know the composite stick just keeps getting better and better. But all the players today grew up with them. Now, mm-hmm. you know, there was a recent era where guys grew up on wooden sticks and then had to figure out how to use these composites. Those days are gone. Connor McDavid grew up with a composite in his hands, right? And so did the so did. Uh, you know, Vincent DeHarnay and that sixth defenseman walks in and wires a wrist shot that is so much harder than the wrist shot yesterday's sixth defenseman had. It's not even a, it's not even in the same stratosphere. So everybody shoots the pockets, you know, down to the fourth liner can just wire the biscuit now. And it's all on the goalie, right? Every puck's coming harder. Uh, guys are bigger. Traffic's harder to deal with with mm-hmm. it's it's listen sometimes we think we could sit in the press box and, and <laughs> tell you everything about the game but i'm the Not first a, one to admit that yeah. when you're down there man it's it's a whole new ball game the bullets are flying so fast i mean it's so easy to see it from yeah. up top i mean it is just insane and I, I mean think about it how the players look when they say they're feeling when they go up to and just watch it a little bit from up top they go yeah it's a lot easier but yeah go down go down and see what it's like yeah. when when it's just bizarro world and everything's going 100 miles an hour so uh quick quick thought on tomorrow's game with carolina jets uh, beat carolina last night 2-1 although carolina was probably the better team yeah, Carolina's a very good team. That's, how did they get Edmonton the other day in Raleigh, right? Yeah. They scored once. Edmonton got a little flustered, and, and one turned into four in about, uh, what was it, seven minutes mm-hmm. or eight minutes or something. Yeah, uh, they ganged up on the Oilers quick. Uh, and then I think Edmonton had a real good third period in there, and they have kind of haven't looked back since. All right, Spec. We will but see. Sorry, go ahead. We'll wrap her up, no, Spec. They're just a. Yeah. They're a good team that you always wonder about their goaltending. For some reason, they're always running three goalies there. <laughs> well, uh, someone's hurt or someone's yeah. not making saves or whatever. I think you can get to. I think you can get to their goaltending in Carolina, but they got a pretty good team in front of them. Mm-hmm. Well, Ranta played last night. Maybe we'll see Kachetkov uh, tomorrow night. Hard to say, but again, uh, they, they're such a, a well. Well-run team. They they play so hard, and they. I mean, they're. When you talk about an identity from a coach, that's that's the identity. I mean, Rod Brindamore, yep. he played like that, and all the players play like he used to play. Uh, yep. Full out. You know, it's you're either tied to the dock or full throttle, and that's that's how they are for sure. Yep. All right, Spec. Good, I know you got to get to get to the, the drugstore for the depends. So we'll see you later. Right, brother. Take care, man. Uh, That's Mark Spector. uh, On the mark, uh, energized uh, by Booster Juice. Get the boost you need at Booster Juice. Uh, When we return, we go uh, to the second barrel of the Tuesday double barrel shotgun for our hockey insiders. Frank Saravalli from the Daily Faceoff will be our guest coming up right after the break on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Uh, just awaiting the arrival of Frank Saravalli. He's in Seattle right now because that's where the uh, NHL Board of Governors uh, meetings are taking place. And, uh, you know, just to kind of circle back on our St. Albert Dodge game of the days, games of the days. So just got a text uh, and an email in from uh, Benjamin Feldman from Russia Pie. So the Totem Hoop Classics coming up. So there's another example of where we can kind of incorporate this. And if you've got something, an event, a game, a games, let us know. Shoot us off a, a text, one 833 Send me an email, kevin at sports1440.com.
Time now for our headliner of the day, brought to you by Mr. Rooter. At Mr. Rooter, they only employ the finest organic grain-fed free-range plumbers. For all your plumbing needs, go to mrrooter.ca as we welcome in Frank Saravalli, who's in the Emerald City in Seattle. Good morning, Frank. Kevin, how you doing? Doing great, doing great. Uh, so thanks for getting up a little bit earlier uh, for us this morning. Pitch black here. Pitch black, yeah. It's, a, it's pitch black here too, Frank. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's also rainy and miserable. You know, we're looking at a high of plus nine today, Frank, or plus eight. Oh. Golf course is still open. One golf course north of the city. Talked to the guy yesterday and I said, uh, "What? how could you explain early December conditions? Kind of got a chuckle out of that, but it's uh, very rare. Usually they're they're non-existent. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's what he was kind of saying, but uh, they stay open a lot uh, later into the year. So how have things been going? I guess are you a golfer? Oh, yeah, yeah. Big time golfer, Frank. No, I, I, I play like crap, but enjoy the game and enjoy getting out. You so. love it in Philly. I've got buddies because yeah? we don't get a ton of snow. It does get cold, but, you know, and cold for us, a normal cold day is like, you know, plus one or two or five. Hmm. And... We don't get a lot of snow, so you can play all year long. Yeah. I have buddies that even if the ground's frozen and you can't put a tee in the ground, just throw the ball down and hit it, and they'll play 300 rounds a year. Wow. Just every day, go out and walk, walk your 18 or walk nine, and get huh. it in. Do you get do you get to play in the summer? I get to, yeah, I get to play a bit in the summer. And I was just talking about this actually here in Seattle yesterday with someone at the board of governors meeting. It's like kind of the life of a, a hockey reporter. You you play great. Finally, by September, you get your game in order. Everything's working. And then you put your sticks away for the next eight months. And it's like, then you got to start all over again. Well, I'll tell you what, Frank, if you want to plan some sort of a, a summer vacation to Edmonton and area, because as you said, you were here for with your family for the first time in uh, for the Heritage Classic, I bet they would have a lot of fun because summers here are amazing. I'm not sure if you kind of are aware of exactly, like it's light out until 11 at night, but uh, you would have a complimentary entry to the Kevin Carey Celebrity Easter Seals Golf Classic July 10th this year. July 10th. Send me the info. Okay. Thanks, Frank. We'd like to see you here. You'd be the, you'd be the headliner of the day, just like you are right now. <laughs> Thanks to Mr. Reuter. <laughs> <laughs> so is the cap uh, the biggest news at the Board of Governors? Or, I mean, there's a lot of topics. Uh, where's that rank for you? And what's it at, I guess, anyway? So the cap, to me, it's it's news to fans, but it's not really hard news in the sense that we knew where this was heading. The cap right now is at $83.5 million. Next year, it's set to increase to 87.7. And that's really actually just a formula that's already prescribed in the CBA, once the, the players pay off the $1 billion debt to owners, the cap is scheduled to increase by 5%. Hmm. 5% on 83.5 brings you to 87.7. So the NHL confirmed that. I think the real question with the cap is, okay, that's great that that's what's prescribed. Will the NHLPA or the NHL negotiate to get it even higher than that? Because if salary cap the salary cap was truly linked to revenue, what it is in current state – we'd probably be looking at something like $93 million this season. And so it's purposely suppressed because they had to pay down that debt. So rather than eventually relinking it and starting it at $100 million where you have, I don't know, $10, $12, 13000000 million that you're handing to owner or to GMs in yeah. one shot, which I personally think is every owner's worst nightmare, <laughs> the mistakes that would be made in that summer if that were to happen – can we find a path where you can smooth it out? 
And that really is the question to me. Will they find a path this summer to get there? Whenever you ask for something, if you're the NHLPA, you know that the commissioner always wants something in return. So mm-hmm. there's no free lunches when it comes to the NHL and NHLPA. Yeah, well, wouldn't that be a nightmare if they handed that $10 million out on June 30th, you know, right before free agency? Holy cow. And, and, and you don't know what the class is going to look like, but everyone spends to the cap just to spend to the cap. So... Mm-hmm. So uh, you'd you'd end up with a nightmare scenario, I think. If you're a fan or an owner, it's nightmare fuel. Yeah, is this the way we're going to see things going for the next couple of years, or you know, how do you think that's going to work? Yeah, I mean, the I guess CBA, the the increment is what I'm kind of talking about. Yeah, until it, until it's up, it actually calls for that five percent. So we'll see where it goes from here. But at least to get back to a point where the cap is increasing, four straight years of a frozen cap. Yeah, it was. It was ridiculous that we got to that point this season. And and new NHLPA executive director Marty Walsh actually acknowledged that in a pod that he did with me last week, frankly mm-hmm. speaking. He said, I asked for more than a million dollars. But the problem is, as I said, the NHL wanted to change the escrow craps in return, which were a non-starter for players. Uh, just to touch on that interview you had with Marty, um, what was the instance you said, well, that was my story that I broke, but uh, touch on that, Frank. And then also the sense of what you are getting from Marty kind of being involved now. Yeah, I think he's still getting his feet wet. And the story was kind of funny because if you didn't know his background and history is the two term mayor of Boston and was the sitting United States secretary Mm -hmm. of labor. So he's actually 11th in line of succession to the president. And I broke the story on the day of the State of the Union that he was leaving Joe Biden's cabinet. And that apparently didn't go over so well in the White House. He said that was a, quote, awful day. And as we were talking about it, I said, hey, you know, I apologize. Uh, I was actually the guy that broke that story. And he said he's like, you bastard. He said right (laughs) on the pod. Uh, So we kind of went back and forth and it was a fun little uh, fun conversation. And, And honestly, I would I could listen to the pod just for his Boston accent. Yeah, that's how good it is. Um, but I think he's someone that is very personable. He's easy to talk to, and that I think is really relatable for players. He's sort of an everyman. He's from a tough neighborhood in Boston who uh, was an alcoholic, childhood cancer survivor. Hmm. He's been through a lot, and he doesn't have the sort of formal education or you know, something that you might expect from a classic politician. He worked at a labor union, became an executive, eventually ran for for mayor and and was a two-term mayor of one of the biggest cities in the U.S. And so um, I think that part of him, though, remains very relatable. My big question is, yes, he, he clearly has an ability to negotiate. He understands labor and unions and yeah. he's been through strikes. But can he get through the CBA enough? Can he find enough expertise or will he rely on others to really understand the core issues that come with this system? Because it's different than anything else. And I'll tell you what, sitting across from the table from Gary Bettman is going to be different than anything that he's experienced. That's a very good point, Frank. And so in that sense, does he have to bring... Uh, or who would you think that he would bring in to kind of surround himself with, you know, that support, those ideas that they need to bring forward from the PA? Well, that's what's fascinating is because he actually has gotten rid of some of the most experienced people in the office. Hmm. Matthew Schneider was the assistant to the executive director for 12 years in the NHLPA. He was a finalist for Marty Walsh's job, mm-hmm. and he was someone that had been through lockouts 
and he was gone. Hmm. He, he parted ways with the NHLPA a couple of months ago. Mike Gillis, former Vancouver Canucks GM, uh, former agent, had a pretty prominent role as a consultant in the NHLPA. He was also a finalist for the position. He's gone. Hmm. So what he what Marty Walsh has attached himself to is essentially Ron Hainsey in their office, former player who has you know been on the player side of a lockout, but they've got their general counsel and they've got their you know sort of wartime pieces that they rely on for negotiating a CPA. But he's lost a lot of the real experience in that office that I think was critical. And that part to me, you've got a few years to get it together before 2026 and the CBA is up. But it's certainly of paramount importance, I think, that the NHLPA finds a bit more of that experience to rely on. So, Frank, do you think then he brings in guys to surround himself that are not you know, connected to hockey as much as a, a Schneider, a Gillis, does he go outside of that hockey bubble? Is that a smart move or? I'm not certain that he's bringing in anyone new right okay. now. I think he's going to stick with what he has. And if he needs help at the exact moment that a CBA is being negotiated, then he'll get there. I think the bigger question is, will we even see, a, you know, a lockout in 2026? The suggestion as we've been through multiple of them in, in Gary Bettman's tenure, three would be history says, yes, we will. Mm-hmm. I I just don't think that this generation of players having seen that history really has the stomach to dig in and fight and that it may be something that is just negotiated beforehand. Yeah, a couple of years away. So we'll see what happens. A uh, recent post, Frank, that you had on Daily Faceoff just regarding DJ Smith and uh, Senators owner Michael Ann Lauer. Uh, can you update our listeners on that situation? Yeah, I think Michael Ann Lauer had a chance to talk with him yesterday here at the Board of Governors meeting in Seattle. And like you, he hears the chance of fire DJ raining down in Canadian Tire Center. And He's not happy. He's certainly not happy with the start of this team carrying up the rear of the Atlantic in a year where there were real expectations to get back on track and and be a playoff team or certainly compete to be one. But he hears it and is not necessarily blinking, although many fan bases would have that kind of sway, especially over a new owner. He's got the long view in mind, and and one thing that he pointed out, which is kind of fascinating if you look at the standings, Mm -hmm. the Sens have seven games in hand on some teams in their own division. I don't know how that's possible with the way the schedule works now. Obviously, their trip to Sweden kind of disrupted things, and that means that it's going to be a pretty condensed uh, schedule for the Sens to close out the year. But seven games in hand, you go five and two, and all of a sudden you've caught up to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Mm-hmm. You know I what? Mean, I, yeah, go I'm ahead. not saying it's going to happen, no. but I think it's an interesting thing to think about. You know, and LA's in the same boat in the West here with a, a lot of games in hand on, on a lot of teams. So, I do you think if the Sens didn't have these games in hand and maybe were you know in those six games were I don't know three and three that that DJ would be gone by now? I just don't think they want to do it. Mm-hmm. I think they've heard the complaints. I think they've seen the lack of results, but. The one thing that Steve Steos, as president of Hockey Ops, who's also wearing the interim GM hat, has been saying is, when I got here, the players asked for stability. They Mm -hmm. felt like 
with all the turmoil of a new owner coming in in late September, a 41-game suspension to one of their better players for gambling, a forfeiture of a draft pick, a firing of their GM, that they just want to settle down. And so they felt like having a coaching change after the players had so vocally backed DJ Smith is not the right play. My argument against that and retort would be, well, there's so much buzz about DJ Smith and there's so much angst, as Michael Anlauer acknowledged, that perhaps the best thing to do is to quiet all of that and make the change and settle into your just sort of new life with a new coach. Mm-hmm. Maybe they don't have someone that they feel like would be their top candidate that's available. I don't know what the answer is, but for me, allowing this to continue to linger on without results, if you burn those seven games in hand, I think that's a mistake, and essentially they've got two weeks to turn around their season or else you can light a match to it. Uh, Anything else at the BOG that's uh, top of mind for you, Frank? Yeah, I think there's been an undercurrent talk of what does expansion look like? When will the NHL get to that point? And more interesting for me is it's been a really quiet couple months on the Arizona Coyotes arena front. (laughs) I know people are tired of talking about it, but the clock is ticking. I truly believe that – The Coyotes are down to their last gasp in Arizona. And if they don't get, you know, not just an agreement for a new arena, but a date to put shovels in the ground, Mm -hmm. that they're they're living on borrowed time there. And they're the hottest team in the league right now. (laughs) They've beat the five last (laughs) defending cup champs in their, you know, five-game winning streak. They're trying to be a playoff team. Yeah, And And you know why? The reason for that is – that they put pressure on this year to try and generate more buzz in their market. Fair, fair. And uh, any truth to the rumor, Frank, that Dom DeSandro is taking over head of security for Frank Saravalli Enterprises? I wish. Anytime <laughs> you could get Big Dom in your corner. I mean, he's an absolute legend, Does has never done a media interview in 20-plus years working for the team. Uh-huh. I'm not kidding you, Kevin. If you come to Philly and if any of you have seen the clip, he's yeah. a huge dude, Six foot six way north of three bills he people love him he's always next to the head coach in shots on the field and so everyone sees him they know that he's the fixer of all fixers and if you come to a game in philly kevin they actually sell someone in the parking lot sells big dom merchandise and this was way before this incident on the sideline i said yesterday morning frank it reminded me of an episode of the sopranos on sunday afternoon Hey, they, he's the guy that every time they have a – they just signed Shaq Leonard, right? Yeah. And so cameras captured him last week at the airport <laughs> yeah. picking him up. Just just look it up. He's wearing the South yeah. Philly tuxedo. He's got the black sweatsuit on. <laughs> it looks amazing. Hey, thanks for this, uh, Frank. We'll talk to you on uh, Thursday. Take care. Have a good one, Kevin. That's uh, Frank Saravalli, our headliner of the day from Daily Faceoff. Uh, for Mr. Reuter, there's a reason they call him Mr. for – all your plumbing needs, you can go to mrreuter.ca. When we come back, I did a one-on-one interview yesterday with Cody Cece. Uh, we will uh, check in with the Oilers defenseman when we come back on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. And the Duke goes into the depths of the archives for... Is that Shenandoah? I, you know what? I could just tell by the vibe in your... Just the way you're pressing the buttons over there. Just know it. That's your favorite country group pretty well. Definitely one Top of them. Top five. Oh, yeah, definitely one of them. Top five. Uh, very underrated in the uh, the annals of country music history, in my humble opinion. And uh, I was at, I was on 
the Central Alberta version of Cumberland Road <laughs> this past weekend. That's uh, what is what is that? Well, that, that's, that's, that's the like to... the Cumber- Cumberland community is the uh, like the little piece of area outside of Delburn, like my neck of the woods. So it's like take Delburn, which is tiny, and then yeah. go out into the sticks <laughs> even further. And it's originally it was a schoolhouse, like hundred some years. Like that's where my grandma went to school. Uh, now it's just a community hall out in the a uh, couple miles down the road from. Douglas Farms, yeah. and that's where the uh, the Davidson family Christmas was uh, oh. this past weekend. Is there a big sign when you enter? It says Douglas Farms on the outside. Uh, not a big sign. We got a, a nice. Uh, we got it as a Christmas present for my grandpa a number oh, of winters cool. ago. A, a big like cut out of metal, right? Um, like on the top of a. Like we, we got a uh, yeah, like kind of like a stand, and then it yeah. hangs down on a couple okay. chains. A uh, big black metal with a tractor, a cow, Douglas Farms. Uh, yeah, nice little nothing, nothing too extravagant or. Mm-hmm. Um, flamboyant i guess just a little subtle but does the trick did you ask your dad about which uh, ranch hand you'd be from the Yellowstone? so i didn't get around to it uh, i actually didn't talk to my dad that much because we were at the family christmas mm-hmm. and so spent a lot of that time um, chatting with other family members that <laughs> all obviously have tons of questions about the the new gig here yeah. and how it's been going yada 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 i was <laughs> a lot of uh things because i talked about it on friday show with connor going back to the davidson family christmas so they were uh, mm-hmm. happy with the little shout out there um and then when we got home, dad had a couple chores to wrap up, but then he was going into my mom's company Christmas party uh, in the evening too. So while he was doing chores, I was babysitting my nephew. Dad actually didn't have a, a lot of time to interact with my dad. So uh, we'll... Uh, I thought maybe you were t- going to say some of your other family members maybe heard or whatever that... Uh, no, the, the, yeah, the Yellowstone thing did not come up. Okay. We talked about lots of other stuff about uh, what's said on air and things. I took a lot of... Uh, my mom in particular was very curious about... Mine and Connor's conversation about grilled cheese sandwiches uh, from last week because my mom is a great cook. uh, Terrific, actually. But grilled cheese sandwiches are kind of one of her nemesises. (laughs) Nemeses. Nemes. Um, Yeah. So uh, she, she gets distracted. Uh, so they burn, see, she burns them sometimes, yeah. And so, and so, my sisters and I—that is like the longest running joke. Whenever one of us are at home and mom fires up a grilled cheese sandwich, if it is like, and they're so, more often than not they're cooked perfectly. We'll take a picture and send it to each other and say, "Whoa, look how good mom did today," oh or boy. something. So, um, so there was a lot of talk about that because my mom had heard rumors we were talking grilled cheese and she wanted to know if I sewered her on air, which any, I which I had not until this very moment. Uh, any uh, time she puts mayo on the outside? No, she doesn't do that's my that's oh. my. Oh, that's okay. how I cook them, uh, but that's not my, my mom keeps it pretty classic just with the butter. Uh, she'll throw some ham in there if one of us so uh, requests, but. All right. You know, barring injury, very quietly, someone on the Oilers roster and not in the next three years or so, in the next three years, is going to play his 1,000th game very quietly, has chiseled out and carved out uh, a career that you know, it flies under the radar. Very quietly, this Oilers player leads the team in plus minus this year. Just plus four, but hey, that leads the team. Uh, and very quietly since really Paul Coffey came in and started working a lot with Mark Stewart on the defensive side of things, you've seen his game improve as well and play better. And the game's always been there. We're talking about Cody CC. So Cody, CC, and I had a little uh, conversation yesterday, and uh, it's funny when you get to have a little one-on-one, you get to talk about things away from the rink, which the Oilers have been away from the rink for the last few days, uh, besides getting back to practice on Sunday. But uh, here's that conversation with Oilers defenseman Cody, CC from yesterday. 
So we all know the season's long and grinding, but to have a five-day break, what, what was that like for you? Yeah, it's always weird when you have this this sort of break. Um, I mean, it, it's good uh, it's good to rest up if guys have injuries and whatnot. But you also kind of fall out of the the swing of things. I think we were uh, we were going pretty good for those those four games. So hopefully, we can keep that going when we start up again. What did you do? Is it just a case of just kind of putting the feet up here? Uh, yeah, I mean, we had a couple days off in a row, which was nice, so uh, just spent some family time. I went down to that Christmas market, actually, in uh, Fort Edmonton Park, walked around one day and got a tree the other day, so just <laughs> kind of got in the Christmas spirit. So what was that like? Tell us about that experience at Fort Edmonton, then. Uh, it was cool. I mean, uh, we went with uh, with Nuge, and uh, we brought our, uh, our babies and just kind of walked them around, stroller, and um just checked it out but uh yeah it was uh, it was pretty neat i've been there before so uh but it was uh, yeah it's a cool experience so your kids are about the same age right yeah yeah Ball, ballpark yeah ours is seven months i think is around three three yeah. to bet three yeah so even to experience kind of the christmas thing for the first time is a, probably a big deal i would imagine yeah for sure we're excited to uh get her involved in christmas get her some presents stocking and whatnot but she's still a little young we did some pictures of santa and she didn't really know what was going on <laughs> pretty cool stuff though to get back in the swing of things here you guys are on a bit of a roll before the break how do you do to keep that momentum going starting against carolina yeah, that's the thing. I think we got to just try and keep feeling good through these uh, five days off and uh, not forget where we were at when we left off. I mean, we started playing some some good hockey, and uh, it took us a while to get there this year, so we don't want to lose that. How is it to maintain that momentum? We always talk about it. When you lose it, you want to get it back as fast as you can. When you have it, you want to keep it as long as you can. Yeah, that's it exactly. I mean, uh, we had it going. Uh, we had it going good. So uh, now it's just a matter of, of keeping it. But uh, with this break, it's almost like we have to uh, to, to start back and just play hard uh, early on, and then that first game back, and then uh, go from there. So you've had a couple of weeks now uh, working with Paul Coffey. What's that experience been like for you? Yeah, Coffey's been great with us. I mean. Uh, I'm sure you've seen a bunch of the interviews, just uh, how he's encouraging us to make a lot of plays and uh, to get involved as much as we can offensively. And, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's been around the game a long time. And uh, just to see see the game from uh, from his perspective is, uh, is pretty neat. I mean, uh, uh, just uh, having a guy with a career like that behind the bench, and uh, it's pretty neat to work with him. Is there one aspect that you've kind of been more open ears than any other aspect with him trying to tell you about something, maybe his experiences? What Was there something you can put your finger on, one subject maybe more than others? Um, I guess just him encouraging us to to make some of the some of the plays and uh look more in the middle and uh get to the middle of the ice uh would be the, the biggest takeaway from from cough so far um but that's also not to discredit mance uh he taught us a lot um just the way he played he played more defensively so i, I learned a ton from from manson defensively and now to have cough back there you learn a lot offensively uh, I was thinking maybe that first pass because he keeps talking about it. You know, if you get the puck up to these guys as fast as you can, I think it's a pretty good recipe for success. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, we got a lot of skill through the middle of the ice, so uh, trying to keep the puck off the walls as much as we can and make make some passes. I think that that plays into into their game and um, keeps them happy. Overall, just the feeling here. I mean, you can see smiles, and I mean, a couple of weeks ago it was tough. Uh, how did you kind of get through everything? Yeah, it was it was very tough. I mean, uh, yeah, that was uh, 
was a tough, tough part of all of our, our careers. I mean, uh, it was just kind of weird how it uh, how it all unfolded. We were all so prepared for the season and just didn't go the way we wanted it to. So, yeah, that was uh, that was difficult. And you put in so much hard work in the summer to come in ready and uh, to start out like that. It's unfortunate, but I think that. Uh, we realized too that we got to settle in and uh, just play play the way we've been playing the last couple of years, and we'll be all right. What's the hardest part about that settling in? Because you know where you are in the standings, and you know what you have to do to make up ground. But what about trying to just kind of settling in, keeping things going here? Yeah, that's it. I mean, uh, that's the hardest part is uh, not not gripping the stick too tight and uh, trying to be relaxed when you're playing. And uh, I mean, that's the only way to come out of these things. But uh, yeah, it was frustrating for a while, so I think that's kind of why it slid longer than we wanted it to. Uh, but I think we uh, hopefully hopefully we're on the other side of it now. We don't slip back into that, and we're uh, we're playing better hockey. Thanks for this, Cody. Good luck against Carolina. All right, thanks. That's Oilers defenseman Cody CC. Conversation I had with him in the uh, Oilers locker room following practice. Yesterday, and uh, Rick sends a text into one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Kevin CC is a stud on the Oilers defense right now, and one of the reasons that Cody CC is playing well is because his partner Darnell Nurse is playing very well. The two are showing great synchronicity on the blue line. Uh, you, you're seeing probably, you know, just the awareness of what each other are like want to do at a certain point of the game, certain point in coverage, uh, certain D-to-D passes, play behind the net on reverses, probably seeing that chemistry at a point as good as it's ever been between the two. So Darnell Nurse is playing well. Cody Cece is playing well. In turn, the defensive pair is playing well. And one of the reasons the Oilers have won four in a row and look to make it five in a row tomorrow against the Carolina Hurricanes when the Canes come a visiting uh, tomorrow in a Rogers place. So Carolina comes in at 14-9-1 after a 2-1 loss in Winnipeg last night. The Oilers 9-12-1 and and have a lot of ground to make up. Harry Texan, Darnell Love, about time. Yeah, sometimes Darnell Nurse has taken a lot of heat from fans, media... But, again, Darnell Nurse plays a lot of hard minutes, and who's playing alongside of him for the most part is Cody Cece. The two of them have turned into a pretty good pair for the Oilers uh, during this little turnaround. Well, we've got a lot of things to talk about coming up. Really looking forward to the 9 o'clock hour. Of course, our co-host every Tuesday from 9 to 11 is the Hockey Hall of Famer, Grant Fuhr. So, you know, a lot of times you kind of go through, okay, who could we get on with Grant? And, I mean, Grant's got so many uh, former teammates that have kind of got into broadcasting, kind of, you know, have interesting stories. And, and Grant is obviously an interesting story himself and has some great outlook and some great uh, aspects to what he brings to us every every Tuesday. But I was kind of looking at his old Buffalo Sabres days, and we were talking about it, I guess, last week with Grant, the fact that, you know, he played with Dominic Hasek in Buffalo, and the two of them formed quite a tandem. You talk about, you know, opposites in goal, maybe a little bit of both. They had the, that, that style of just never, ever giving up on a puck. But, you know, obviously Hasek was the Gumby, and, obviously, you know, Grant was quite, <laughs> he could bend as, as good as the, as the rest of them, but a little different in that sense about how they, you know, tried to stop the puck. But then you kind of go through all the list. And who do you come to? Rob Ray. 
3,200 penalty minutes. 3,200 penalty minutes in uh, 900 NHL games. Now the Buffalo Sabres uh, analyst. And there's a guy that bleeds bleeds uh, or uh, like a, a yellow and blue. I mean, that is a Sabre through and through. He cares about the city, cares about the team. He's been there for a long time. So Grant Fuhr and uh, Rob Ray will uh, be with us at the top of the hour. At 10 o'clock, uh, Tim Murray from Vizen Primetime will break down the college football situation, what they're down to left with the Final Four. So coming up, top of the hour, it's Grant Fuhr, Rob Ray. Before that, here is the Duke with a Sports 1440 update.